Best new cars coming in 2023. Yes, it's that time when the new product pipeline starts to open up and details of what's heading our way in the next 12 months start to become clearer. Welcome, I'm Cars Guy Deputy Editor James Cleary and joining me on the podcast panel to look at the most significant pieces of fresh metal scheduled to arrive in Australia sooner rather than later are Adventure Editor Marcus Craft. Crafty? JC, everyone. And EV Guide Lead Tom White. Hello. Uh, we'll also cover off this weekend news and take a look at a tough ute, value-focused EV and German V8 hot rod uh, we've been driving in cars in the garage. So stay with us. Now, the catalyst for this discussion is a Tung Nguyen story uh, looking at 2023 new model arrivals. Um, he's picked out eight early highlights, you know, a ute, EV, SUV, sedan and sports cars. It's a smorgasbord. Um, and look, there are supply chain issues and there are production shortages. But what this story says is there is still plenty of exciting fresh models that are on the way. Um, some were meant to arrive in 2022 and they're going to arrive in 2023. But let's just dive into it and, and get on to the first one. It's a Mercedes-Benz GLC. And Tom, for a start, I didn't know that this was Mercedes-Benz's best-selling model um, in Australia. I'm probably off the pace. It's it's almost like wallpaper. There are so many of them. It's their biggest seller. It makes sense, doesn't it? Like it's a mid-size SUV. It's in such a popular segment. Uh, it has quite a, a varied amount of variants. So there's, there's something for everyone's taste. And I think they're one of those cars that like you, you've been seeing them everywhere for so long that they do kind of fall into the background of it. You just don't. They're part of the fabric of the cars you see on the road. Uh, this one, I think the design is uh, kind of it, it hasn't evolved heaps. You have to look at the story, check out the pics, uh, see what see what the uh, you make of it as well. But um, yeah. I think one of the interesting things this time around is they've actually dumped the plug-in hybrid, so uh, we won't be getting a plug-in hybrid again this time around. Uh, which I don't know. I think it shows a bit of a shift in uh, in the way manufacturers yeah. think about cars coming to our market. We get we get the mild hybrid, which is this you know code for it's an updated starter uh, upgraded starter generator and you know a, a higher voltage electrical system, but it, it's not a hybrid as you'd you'd like to see it as in a full hybrid. Um, Crafty, it's going to be a competitor for the um, BMW X3 and the Audi Q5. I know you're switching constantly between Audis, BMWs, and Mercs. It's one that's been on your radar for a long time, I'm sure. <laughs> Mate, um, I mean, crossovers, SUVs, I mean, they're all madly popular, aren't they? I mean, uh, if, if only Mercedes could come out uh, with with a ute. Wouldn't it be the <laughs> That's That is you know? a legendary idea. Um, <laughs> let's let's get it happening. The, the next one, interestingly, the Mazda and X cars of all descriptions, but it's a CX-60. Now, to make it clear, to be clear, we know that there are a couple of cars in Australia for testing now. That'll approximately be six months worth of testing and evaluation. And we understand that it will be on sale in 2023, but it won't exactly be in the first part of the year. Um, it's built on a new platform. And interestingly, uh, Tom, it's, it's a new styling direction for Mazda after they've been so consistent for so long, at least a decade, in terms of the inspiration for the way their cars look. Kodo has been such a success. Like the the overarching design language for Mazdas has has been like made them what they are today. I think like 
people look at them and want them. It's like looking at a premium car almost. Um, and, and this is the next evolution of that. I think they teased it a little bit with uh, MX-30, but ne- now here we are with like what it looks like on a, on a full-size SUV. Um, yeah. I think CX-60 uh, looks really good, um, <laughs> speaking of the looks. Um, but I think it's so interesting because it debuts so much new technology for Mazda. You've got the straight six engines. You've got a plug-in hybrid for the first time. So there's a lot banking on this car, and I think it yeah. should be really interesting. Well, that's it. I mean, four-cylinder uh, petrol. Um, and petrol and diesel inline six cylinders and a plug-in hybrid. So it's kind of got the lot. Everything but electric. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Now, Crafty, this this next one is actually more up your alley and such an anticipated vehicle. Um, Amarok, um, you know, one of the most hotly anticipated models of 2023, frankly, and probably a little more upmarket in terms of its brand, maybe Volkswagen, European, Ford. Where, where do you place the Amarok? It's it's just as strong, obviously. It's the same same vehicle under the skin. Yeah, uh, well, it's um, now they're, they're, uh, they're, you know, I guess for one of a less annoying word, they're, they're, they're in a collab with Ford. So, uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, it's, um, and, and so obviously they're going to benefit from that. The V6, uh, uh, the, the other 2.3 litre um, option, I, I think it's a pretty cluey move. Like the Amarok has, has a legion of fans. Um, and and across a sort of generally sort of wide chunk of the market too, um, it's not the most robust thing out there. But in terms of popularity, you do see a lot of them around, and you do see a lot of them with aftermarket gear thrown on, and you do see a lot of them being used um, how they're intended to be by more traditional four wheel drivers, and that's in an off road setting. Um, I reckon it's pretty exciting. They're gonna they're gonna. Uh, sort of meet the expectations of those who already favour them and maybe draw in a few other people yep. um, from slices of the market. So, yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. And there's there's an engine that will be in that vehicle that won't be found in Ranger, which is the 2.3-litre turbo petrol. There'll be a V6 turbo diesel, but there's um, yeah, that's right. 2.3 yeah. turbo petrol. So that'll be interesting all on its own. Yeah, no, absolutely. And... In, in these times, I, I, I find it interesting and perhaps a little bit gutsy from car makers or, or perhaps a little bit, you know, they're, they're sort of heading in the wrong direction. But, but you know, you, you see a lot of car makers these days um, still producing the, the petrol variants. So um, I don't know. I, I reckon it's exciting times in, in terms of, of being a, a customer and a, yep. and a vehicle. Um, yep. You know, someone looking for a potential uh, new vehicle. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's see what happens. It uh, looks pretty decent to me. Okay, that's cool. Look, before we move on to the next one, our old mate planes, trains, and dogs and cars has said Mazda needs to start using touchscreens, and I wholeheartedly agree with him. In that, I think you know a lot of their vehicles, you either can't use the touchscreen once you're on the move, or you can't uh, use them full stop. So okay, fair call. Um, now. Moving to the next vehicle um, in our in our story, it's um, in terms of the environment and which, in, which engine is in there. It's kind of two um, poles. You've got the F one hundred and fifty from Ford is the vehicle I'm talking about, and let's talk about engines under the bonnet. But the F one hundred and fifty Lightning, the the full EV, is also a potential for this market because we know Ford Australia has trademarked uh, that name 
for Australia. So that's a really interesting one as well, Tom, that the lightning would be amazing. The lightning would be, yeah, would be amazing because one of the issues that I think a lot of people are running into with electric vehicles right now is there, there aren't electric vehicles to suit their needs. So yeah, you can have a small SUV or a hatch or, or what have you, but those kind of enthusiasts market or niche market things like having a four by four or a ute, it, it's so poorly served right now. And uh, a car like the F-150 shows that A, it can be done, B, people want it, and C, it looks great. It's yeah. not just that it's, oh, it's an electric version of the F-150. It does amazing things. Like you can power all sorts of things. It's got a frunk. It's hugely powerful. Um, I think it's quite exciting. Uh, I don't think we're going to be seeing it for a long time, though. I know they've trademarked the name, but they can't build enough of them to even meet demand in its home market of America. Yeah, that's so. a good point. And, and, and Crafty, in, we're, we're due to see it in mid-2023. So that's the combustion uh, versions of F-150. Uh, it's going to have a price tag uh, cresting $100,000, le- leaving that behind. It'll be locally converted. But it's going to give the Ram and and the Chevrolet Silverado a run for its money, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate. And any, any news of a new F truck is is great news, uh, in my opinion. Like it can only be exciting. Uh, I agree with Tom that that lightning needs to get here and it needs to get here soon. And I think that's really going to once there is a viable EV alternative for, for ute buyers, I just think the, the floodgates are going to open. And, and that sort of stuff is real exciting because that will mean other car makers will come up with, with competitive technology and, 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 you know, systems, mechanical yeah. systems built around it and battery platforms and that sort of thing. It can only be good uh, for all of us. So. Yeah. Well, and it also, it's a more realistic option when you think about Tesla's Cybertruck being for people who want to survive Armageddon. Um, <laughs> um, notwithstanding the fact that we made a podcast just recently about how these things are too bloody big um, for Australian <laughs> roads, um, we, we at the same time, we're not saying there won't be a market for it. Um, I think yeah. there'll be demand for it. Uh, that market is growing seemingly yeah. daily for those big yeah. views. It's crazy. Yeah. Exactly. I exactly. think, and I think the demand for, for an EV, like a, like a viable EV is, 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 you know, boiling, boiling over, like people are ready for, for something. Yeah. People are ready for something good, so hopefully we get something. So. Well, that that is a perfect segue because the next car on the list, we've we've all been uh, pretty excited about the Hyundai Ionic Five, which is technically an SUV, but to me just looks like an oversized hatchback. Um, and now we've got the Ionic Six on its way early in 2023. And Tom, it's a really sleek uh, sedan, and it probably has the Tesla Model Three in the crosshairs. I'd say so. It's a, it's much bigger than a Model 3, though, I think. Is this it? is more like okay. a Model S kind of territory. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, and I think the coolest thing about this is it just goes to show in, you know, in the electric era, you can sort of break all these design rules. You don't need to do what has been done before. The shapes of cars that we have come to know and understand won't exist in the same way that they have before because all you have to do is facilitate a battery platform and you have to make yep. it aerodynamic but there's no need to accommodate for engines or transmissions or or anything like that no, no physical hardware that gets in the way of whatever you want to design and i think this is what this car shows off really well it, it's quite a stunning thing like it's yep. behind me here you might not like it uh go check out the store I, I think it's got quite a controversial face but i think it looks really cool from behind with the little ducktail spoiler and all that sort of stuff and as we know from ionic 5 uh it's very capable it'd be big on the inside um i'm really excited for this it's, it's a great point you make because really engineers and designers are dealing with a skateboard, aren't they? I mean, it's typically a battery, a relatively small motor or motors 
um, which offers so much more scope to wrap what you'd like to around the passengers. Absolutely. Um, so many exciting opportunities. <laughs> yeah, good. All right. Well, look, from the from the avant-garde to the traditional, uh, the Ford Mustang, uh, the new generation of Ford Mustang, it's late 2023. Not only does it have a petrol V8 engine that doesn't have a turbo attached to it, it's delivering more horsepower uh, than it did before. You can have a manual gearbox that drives the rear wheels. It's uh, a trip um, not back to the future, from the future back to the past. But it's proved itself to be hugely popular, and there's a lot of appeal in that crafty. Don't you think that it's almost like that that band or that niche is narrowing, but there's still a lot of interest within it? Yeah, and there's still top-quality product on offer, isn't there? Like yeah. um, those things. I mean, I I think no matter, you know, look, look I'm, I'm going to fully embrace an EV future when it finally arrives here, but we'll still have room, I hope, for, for vehicles, um, you know, such as this. I mean, they are exciting vehicles. They're real driver-focused vehicles, real experience-focused vehicles. I think there's all gonna, always going to be room for those sort of vehicles, you know, that, you know, that really inspire people and they really sort of drum up a lot of passion in people. I, yeah. I hope they don't disappear. So, yeah, I, and I can see this being, you know, snapped up swiftly. Totally, totally. Look, we've had a comment from uh, a friend in Canada, Marc-Andre Moses. Thank you, Marc-Andre. Um, he says that plug-in hybrid is all about EV-only range, um, and he thinks that new Prius, Prius Corolla, I'm not sure, maybe plug-in or EV Corolla, is said to be 100 kilometres of EV-only range. So that's interesting. Is that ring any bells with you, Tom? Yeah, so um, I, I think he's got a point about the EV range thing because uh, yeah. especially in places like Australia where we have to deal with like sort of challenging geography, you do need more range than you might in Europe, for example. And so yeah. a lot of the plug-in hybrids we've been getting so far, they have in that kind of 30 to 50K kind of range and it, it's not really enough. And they yes. do tend to charge quite slowly too. So there's a, a, a bit of a frustration in using them often around Australia, I exactly. find. So um, when we're starting to get these good. New yeah, yeah, hundreds good. When we start to get these new generation ones in, I think Range Rover Sport, the electric version of that, is going to have something like 120, 130 kilometers of wow. electric range that's on top getting, of its combustion getting. components, which is crazy to me. That's more like it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I, I'm interested to see if that actually changes the dynamic for plug-in hybrids in Australia because that seems to be a bit of a limiting factor. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Mark Andre. I know it. We're big country, Canada, but wherever you are, it's going to be late in the evening, so uh, or late-ish. So thank you. Now. <laughs> Next vehicle, speaking of hybrid, it's the Kia Sportage. So, um, you know, the hybrid word is such a, a buzzing one at the moment. And the, the premise that the story uh, puts is that RAV4 was a fairly worker day, you know, popular but not overly exciting thing. Add the word hybrid, and all of a sudden it's the best-selling SUV in the country. So here you go. Kia Sportage is going to have a hybrid in 2023, the second half of the year, uh, Tom. And this is a hybrid without a plug, which has proven to be the most popular kind of hybrid in Australia because it's so convenient. Um, and so that means you've got a, it's more like a Toyota hybrid. You've got a limited battery yeah. size and, you know, it can drive the wheels electrically partially, but it still needs that support from the motor. Um, I think this one's quite exciting. It's not as fuel efficient as the RAV4, um, but just by being an alternative, it will be popular because as we all know, there's a long waiting list for a RAV4 right now and people are looking for anything they can get that, ticks yep. that hybrid box with fuel prices the way they are. So I think this one will be a hot seller. Cool. 
Now, uh, this last one, Crafty, we can we can uh, get get you involved. I think it's a it's a light SUV, but it's one that's been in the Aussie market for a long time. Uh, a new CRV, so uh, hugely popular. Um, and we're also going to have what is it? Um, fifth generation, it is midsize SUV from Honda arrive in 2023, uh, but. The, the, the official word is that they're, they're keeping Tom, uh, keeping um, keeping Tom, keeping Stuart. keeping Tom, keeping yeah. Tom. They're keeping Tom. They can have him <laughs> uh, on timing, to, yeah. <laughs> but it was shown off last year, mid twenty twenty two. So it was really instrumental, I think, the CRV in popularising the whole SUV thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, just scrolling back a bit to the Sportage, they really quickly, yep. my experience of the sure. hybrids is is limited, especially compared to someone like Tom. But I have been in a Seltos uh, and uh, a RAV4 in the, in the last 12 months or so. Um, and I'm really impressed with the technology. And uh, they are very exciting. And, you know, that that range is a thing that, that people will always have in mind. I think you always have range in mind, even if you're in a petrol or a diesel vehicle and, and you're, you know, remote area touring or something like that. But CRV, this is another sort of quiet achiever. Like this is a, you know, midsize sort of um, SUV that, that may not generate the kind of mad, passionate, you know, fan base that, you know, something like a Land Cruiser will, but, you know, you see a lot of them around and they're very popular and, and they're, you know, serviceable, functional sort of vehicles that, you know, fit the bill with a lot of people. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure this will uh, draw a lot of attention Good. as well. And this and one's much bigger too. It's yeah. it's it's become quite enormous actually. It's like longer and wider than a RAV4 from, from memory. Sort of- Prado-ish in size. I want to say there's a seven-seat version as well, as there was be, in the last iteration. But but uh, anyway, yeah. And and as well, um, it should bring hybrid with it. We don't know a whole lot about drivetrains <laughs> for right-hand drive yet. But um, the, I think the limiting factor for this one will be like a lot of Hondas, it's going to get expensive. You're right. But it's been something of a mainstay for Honda right through all of its various changes and, and whatever the CRV has been there, as the HRV has uh, all thereabouts. But that's the list. Um, that's that's the highlight reel in terms of what we're looking for in, in 2023. And so now we will move to This Week in News. Great. So, Crafty, um, we've run a story uh, this week. It was authored by Steve Otley, who's been over in the States and uh, was able to attend the Detroit uh, Motor Show, Auto Show, and uh, he, he was able to draw comment from a very senior Ford person. Can you give us a top line on it? They're, um, yeah, they're, they're kind of excited and very confident about their, uh, their uh, V6 Everest, um, having a real crack at the title of, uh, of you know, sort of big, big dominant vehicles like the, like the Prado, and things like that. Um, I I love it when big wigs from car companies come out and sort of talk up their product because you know that's your job. And also, if you love your product, then you know absolutely go for it. I wouldn't be too nervous if I was uh, if I was sitting <laughs> in a in a back room at Toyota. Although you got to give Ford credit. I mean, over the last few years, and you guys will have seen this borne out in in uh, VFAX figures. Um, 
Ranger has certainly rattled the cage, rattled yep. the Hilux cage. Um, Everest uh, is is one of those um, vehicles that that is doing really well, um, also. So, you know, uh, it's it's a great story, and I love Stephen Otley. He always digs deep and uh, you know takes a real deep dive, and he manages to get the really juicy stuff out of out of yeah. big wigs and officials and that sort of thing. So, so I reckon people should go give that yarn a read. Um, I, I like the Everest. Um, it's it, it's a good thing, um, and 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 the new sort of iterations coming through uh, yeah. are really impressive. So uh, yeah, yeah. Let's let's see. Let's see. Steve, Steve Otley tends to skulk in the shadows and then pops right up into the bright light. You know, he and then disappears again, and then comes I've up. I've been his... camping a few times, and he's popped out of the bushes with know, a long lens camera, and it's that's a whole other story. Out, yeah, yeah, that's oh, no, I know. Agree. <laughs> now, now, Tom. Our next piece of news that's been uh, drawing a few clicks is courtesy of your keyboard. Um, so give us a top line on, on what you've been putting together, uh, kind of what, what we know so far. It's a what we know so far on the Volkswagen ID4. And so this car, I think it's it's really attracted a lot of hype in the last month or two because it's the next big EV thing, right? Yeah. So we've had BYD 803, you know, that's going to be the cheapest. Then we had ZSEV, also going to be the cheapest. And, and we had Model Y, which uh, people were really looking forward to as well. Um, but now that those big launches are behind us, people are looking, okay, what's the next big EV? You know, what, what's going to change the game uh, next time? And it looks like it's going to be this. Um, it's the ID4, so it's midsize SUV, roughly equivalent in dimensions to a Tiguan, uh, Volkswagen Tiguan. So uh, similar kind of size. Uh, it's a little bit lower. Uh, it's a little bit more kind of curvy in terms of its styling. Um, and we had a chance to actually get up close with a pre-release example. Um, right that Volkswagen have imported into the country well ahead of its launch. So um, they also let us in on a whole bunch of details about what's going to come here, when it's going to launch, their kind of plans around supply issues and this sort of thing. So you have to read the full story. Have to read to the get, story. That's read it. the full story. Very good. Very good. Um, okay. but there are some juicy too ones much about time. how much it should cost, uh, what kind of variants we're looking at and stuff. So um, I, I yep, think yep. this car is really exciting and I think you should give the story a read. Super. Okay. That's great. Well done. Thank you. And, Look, a third story that I can touch on was one pulled together by our own Tung news editor, Tung, um, from the Detroit show. And it's a trio that seems to have potential for Australia. You know, if you could just major, major, wave a magic wand and get them transposed to right-hand drive as well. He's picked these out. The Colorado, the Chevrolet Colorado ZR2 Desert Boss, uh, which sounds intimidating. Um, the Ford F-150 Lightning, he goes into a little more detail there. And the Chevrolet Silverado ZR2 Bison. Um, the interesting thing about that last one is that like Premcar has been involved with the development of the Navara Warrior in Australia, this is Chevrolet working with a company called American Expedition Vehicles. I don't know whether you've ever come across that uh, mob crafty, but this is a similar kind of collaboration where it's factory authorised, but it's not done in-house. So make sure and go and have a look at that story because he's plucked those three as being, you know, there'd be a lot of demand for them um, in Australia. That's his thinking anyway. So now it's time to move to cars in the garage. Right, so this is the time when we're talking about vehicles that we've actually been driving, not in theory, in reality. And Tom, could I start with you, please? Give us give us a brief appraisal. You mentioned it only a couple of moments ago of the vehicle you've been steering lately. 
Yes, the MG ZS EV. Uh, again, highly anticipated before its launch. It now has launched, and uh, MG dropped a bombshell the day they launched the car by cutting two grand from the drive away price. Uh, and that means that it snatches that title back from the BYD at 03 as the cheapest electric car on sale in Australia. Um, and it's it's an interesting little car because um, when the ZST launched, which is the combustion version of this car, it brought all these kind of improvements. Like one of the things that we tend to find as an issue with MGs is kind of the, the drivability of them and some of the ergonomics and stuff like this. And, and, and they're sort of proving that they can address that with these major updates. And that's something that the ZSEV does really well. It has more range. It drives a little bit better. It's got better software. It, it's got better charging specs. It now does V2L where you can uh, power household devices or even charge other EVs, as I discovered, from uh, yeah. the charging port. So yeah. uh, you can do all sorts of really cool things like that. Um, I think it's improved across the board, but it still has some issues. Uh, I found that uh, the range calculation, particularly on the freeway, was quite inconsistent. Okay. Um, so I ran, I almost ran it dry. And uh, yeah, that, that caused a little bit of an issue for That's me. That's where so you discovered sort of... the V2L. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. right. So I, I actually <laughs> ran to the point where it told me it had zero kilometers range left on the freeway. Um, I managed to get off the freeway pulled over to the side, thought about what I was going to do for a little bit. And then I um, I had my my poor girlfriend come and rescue me in my Kia Nero long-termer and we charged up the MG with my Kia Nero. Fantastic. So we just transferred about 15 Ks across from one car to the other so I could get back to the charger. So it was quite a fun kind of like, oh, this is what the future holds That's kind awesome. of story. That's you awesome. Know? Very good. Very good. <laughs> um, look, before I let you go, Tom, um, plane trains and dogs and cars made a good point. We've talked about ID4, but what about ID3 first? I think it's it's been delayed more or less, has it not, with other ID vehicles coming ahead of it? Yeah, that's right. So uh, Volkswagen has had to make some tough choices about their kind of uh, production slots, and they were excited to bring ID4 a little bit earlier because uh, they think the conversation is moving in the right direction in Australia in terms of infrastructure being installed and like things like even CO2 penalties might may be coming into place with future governments. And so yeah. that's kind of got HQ on their side with allocating some more like electric car production slots, but they had to allocate them. So that means they select how many cars they can build within yeah. that quota. And so yeah. they've gone, just give us all ID4s because ID we know 4s. they're going to sell. Uh, ID3, they want it, but it's not going to come until the facelift. And that's looking to be late 2024. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you for that update. Good. Now, Crafty, we'll move, move to you. We were talking about Navara only moments ago, and that's what you've been seated within. Tell us, tell us about it. I have been, mate. Um, I've been in the SL Warrior, which is uh, essentially an entry level um, into that sort of, you're talking about Prem Car before. Uh, this gets the full Prem Car treatment, the same as you would expect in the Pro 4X Warrior. But uh, in terms of, you know, fancy stuff that you get in the Pro 4X, you don't get in this one. But that's absolutely fine with me. Um it is a very handy vehicle uh, off-road. Um, I think it goes for around $60,000, but don't quote me on that. Okay. Uh, I think that's before <laughs> on roads. Um, uh, yeah, super handy off-road, you know, reasonably nice on-road for a ute. Um, if you're willing to, uh, again, sort of forgo uh, some of the more fancier stuff, you know, trim stuff and whatever else inside uh, the vehicle, Um then, yeah, 
really exciting, great fun to drive. We we had a lot of fun. We we found a couple of new uh, sort of four wheel drive spots um, when we had it um, for our stills shoot. And uh, yeah, I think it makes it a little bit more. I mean, to me, you know, to my mind, that's that's still uh, expensive, but everything's expensive right. to me. Um, but it makes it a little bit more accessible to those who may balk at the higher price, sort of you know, seventy, eighty, whatever else, thousand uh, dollars. But yeah, it, it's 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 a good unit. So, in terms of your evaluation hunting ground, you've moved beyond the clothes optional camping site. You've found a, a, a new <laughs> a new place to test your vehicles. No, 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 we're still oh, in still the clothes there. optional. Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> no, 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 it's <laughs> an entirely uh, new spot. Very good. Um, we actually, uh, just really quickly, we had to actually help someone uh, in, in a CRV. Nothing against CRVs, but the guy was a, um, how should we call this, an independent traveller from overseas. Yes. He decided, I had a chat to him <laughs> before, he tried to negotiate this particular mud hole and I said, no, don't do it. And he said, you know, life's for living, so I'm going to give it a nudge. And then half an hour later after we'd got him out, um, he was, <laughs> wasn't so enthusiastic about yeah. His, uh, yeah, his philosophy, but yeah, well, no. life's life's also about choices. That's and that's correct. He, yeah. he seemingly made a, a questionable one. <laughs> <laughs> no, they they were, they were they're absolutely fine. But uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, this Navara, um, yeah, yeah, pretty bloody impressive. Very good, very good. Uh, okay, but read the yarn. Read the yarn for the for the full rundown. Good one. Now, um, <laughs> before we move on, uh, Sunset Lights 100 in New Zealand likes our coverage and planes, trains and dogs and cars is back and said he wishes MG would move past generic styling. So I suppose they kind of got, the, got to get the basics right and then you can start to you know, understand the rules before you can break them, that kind of thing maybe. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, now I'll finish off the garage. A Merc AMG C63S Coupe, uh, S Coupe. I'm not going Hyundai there, an S Coupe, and $179,868, so no small chunk of change, and twin-turbo 4-litre V8, 375 kilowatts, 700 newton metres, nine-speed dual-clutch transmission, rear-wheel drive, zero to 100 in four seconds. Um, the pluses, the noise, the thrust, the race car feel, the steering wheel, it feels like something out of a competition car. It looks really tough, lots of leather and carbonate. It looks and feels the part and drives very hard. Minus the seat's a bit firm. It grips you like a like a um, a, a vice, but um, a little bit firm. The thr- the uh, the brakes bite suddenly. Big calipers up front. You really have to grease on the brake pedal so you're not kind of headbutting the steering wheel. But it's a moment in time. Um, AMG won't be the same after this because in a very timely move, the new c63 se performance was unveiled during the week so it's 500 kilowatts it's a thousand and twenty newton meters because it's a turbo petrol four cylinder and a single two-speed electric motor it'll do naught to 100 in 3.4 seconds so but what you know in thinking about it in talking about this car i was talking with some colleagues about it as well you can microwave uh, a, a burger really fast but would you prefer one from the barbecue you know it's it's not all about the speed it's sometimes just about the end result and i reckon this v8 engine c63 might be another one to hermetically seal and keep for future generations because it it really does mark a pretty special car and that engine has been 
um, a cornerstone of a lot of different Merck AMG models over time. So there it is. It's like a, a changing of the guard. They're going to a four-cylinder, and of course, they want a full EV future. So uh, quite a momentous week in a way. Sort of the end of an era for those Deutsche muscle cars, you know, like yeah, seeing yeah. those V8 start to go out the door. I will say, though, I did drive the um, C43, which is its like lesser. Lovely car, lovely car. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and this is, again, four cylinder um, with electric assistance. Um, and I, I can understand it, it's sort of smarter in the way it does things, but I can sort of understand that like missing character um yeah. and they've they, they've tried so hard to give it character but it's not the same i i, I can totally understand it it's a i wrote a story a little while ago i've mentioned it before about you know can amg as a brand survive electrification because so much of its appeal has been around those big throbbing v8 engines and whatever anyway that's a whole other story but um quite a week and with that we have reached the finish line uh so i want to say thanks to all our listeners and viewers and thank you, Tom. Thank you. And thank you, Crafty. Uh, thank you. And well done to our production guru, Mr. Brett Sullivan. Um, he's had the serious focused face on today, which is predictable because the T-shirt he's wearing says, cars make me happy. You, not so much. Um, and <laughs> you can jump into the conversation. Cars Guides on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn. Or traditionalists can email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. Listeners, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Five stars would be great. Uh, an update for listeners, our Apple Podcasts posting is still missing in action. But rest assured, we're working with the big Apple uh, to get things back to normal ASAP. Uh, viewers, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to the Cars Guide channel so you can stay on top of all our latest content. But before we go, Mate of mine was driving home after a long day's work when he was pulled over for a random roadworthy check. Um, he was kind of over it and, and said to the cop, look, hypothetically speaking, would it be a crime for me to insult you? Um, I mean, I think the police are wonderful, but in theory, could you arrest me if I called you something untoward? Uh, yes, sir, that would count as disorderly contact, uh, conduct, said the policeman. Okay, what about if I were to just think it well, there's no problem there, so you can think whatever you like. Says, oh, well, in that case, I think you're a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Eh? Oh, boy, indeed. <laughs>